Our next guest on the country is one of the more colourful characters I correspond with. His name is Dennis Nielsen. He calls himself the failed forester from Murapara, but he's anything but a failed forester. I think he's done pretty well out of the industry over the years. Dennis, I'm going to kick off by saying you guys in the forestry industry at the moment have become real whipping boys of Cyclone Gabrielle. Is it warranted? I agree that the industry and the people in it uh, have become whipping boys. Some of it would, uh, and I'll say reportedly because I haven't personally visited the East Coast or Waira or Dakia, but I've seen hundreds of photographs I've read dozens of reports and emails about it, Forestry Slash, by all accounts, has caused considerable damage, directly or indirectly, to a lot of communities. Well, I don't think anyone would argue with that, Dennis. I think Mike Hosking this morning was having a debate. Someone in the forestry industry was claiming that Slash was only responsible for 40% of the damage uh, in the Gisborne East Coast region. Well, no one buys that, Dennis. Right. So the Minister of Forests, the Honourable Stuart Nash, made that comment. We are very quick to jump to generalisations. Mr Nash made that comment. The Gisborne District Council did an assessment of one or more catchments after Cyclone Hale, not after Cyclone Gabriel. And they came, I've read the report, as did Mike Hoskins, and and of course, one or more of those catchments, the majority of the slash was radiator pine. No one's arguing with that. Trouble is, Mike's taken that generalisation and and, and basically dumped on and trashed on the whole forest industry sector right from Wara through Hawke's Bay through the East Coast. And there is a combination of a lot of radiata pine slash coming down on that incredibly devastating uh, both cyclones, hail, but, but uh, Gabrielle and one on top of the other made it doubly worse. So I think we have to look catchment by catchment. We have to look um, region by region and Mike sort of doubled down on trashing forestry by saying all of the non-forestry trees, that is all the willows um, that come down, were all taken out by radiata pine on their way. Now, these generalisations, while they are emotional and they are getting media, both mainstream and social media attention every night and every day, they're not helpful because because generalisations should not be made by anyone and we should leave it to the councils and their technical specialists to go through this inquiry. And um, in two months' time, I think it's too short, come up with some answers based on more facts and less heat. Now, is is, is it true that it was a Gisborne Council-owned forestry that took out the Gisborne Council water pipeline? There is a media report. That uh, has, I haven't been there again, so I've got to be careful on radio, national radio. You know that, Jamie. There's a media report that the council has owns about, I believe, and I recollect, 1,600-odd hectares of forest, and some slash came down from that forest and contributed to damage to a pipeline of the Gisborne 
town, but I'm only relating a media report which people can look at. Okay, Dennis, let's look at some solutions, potential solutions, because I think we can all agree we don't want to kick the forestry industry for touch. It's too valuable to our economy. But how do we mitigate all this damage? Now, you guys in the forestry industry, Don Carson, your PI guy, was on this show saying one of the solutions is slash traps. But I see the Gisborne District Council once again is saying these traps could make the devastating effects of the debris even worse. Well, the one of the large and most responsible forest owning companies that I know globally, actually the huge multi-million dollar company, multi-billion dollar company, Australian owned, has the, the largest, one of the largest forests. They applied to install four 250,000, this is my, my understanding, applied to install two, four 250,000 Austrian designed slash traps to the council. This is my understanding. You have to get the hard copy from the District Council, and the Gisborne District Council declined on the basis, and I'm reportedly, that that, that might impede a fish swimming um, ability, which I disagree with, because we've seen slash in streams in Taupo, and the fish happily swim around the slash. So that's one issue. Now, they, who knows, with the, with the rain that came down, you know, you could build a 100-foot concrete wall and it might have smashed. I mean, it was unprecedented. That's not the point. Um, in my day, we burnt cutover. So there was no slash. We did that for not not for not for um, devastation reasons, but because it cleaned the slash up, cleaned the slash up by burning. We back burned. And we we picked the days, and uh, it killed the weeds. And we had a clean. Now burning is done in many countries. I've just come back from Vietnam where they burn the slash after harvesting. That it's it's common in the Pacific Northwest. They backburn slash after harvesting. The United States, New Zealand, sort of effectively banned burning, including backburning of slash in the in the Clark government. Very good, nice and green, no smoke. That's fine. But the the residents of the East Coast, from Wairua to Rotoria, may in the future have to make a decision between smoke and this devastation. Sadly, or in reality, there's, I believe, and again, I'm by recollection, there's 180,000 hectares of forest on the East Coast, and there's 130-odd thousand hectares in the Hawke's Bay Wairua region. That radiator pine is not going away, and we can do a lot of things to mitigate and improve, no doubt, and the companies want to, and they had, have gone a long way since 2018, a long way, but with this devastation, it wasn't far enough. There's more things to be done, more, but, but we've got to just, I, I think the, the media especially and social media just, just has to back off a bit, let this inquiry occur, find out what some better facts are than we've all got now, and, and look at mitigating effects. And that may be um, being able to chip and mulch slash on site. Right now, that's not an economic... Maybe that's a, that, that can be subsidised. I don't know. Sorry, I'm out of time. Thank you very sure. much for yours. And, and I haven't even got time to give you some stick about carbon farming. That's a, another conversation for another day because I'm sure that that's possibly not helping forestry's public image either. But look, thank you for giving us a bit of a debate from the forestry industry side and it's important we look at this with balance and try and find a solution. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Danny. You're welcome.